Hewlett-Packard, an American company, opened in Ireland. There were six young kids came to see us and said, look, you've been recommended to us, so what we'd like to do is go into a tendering process to have a company supply everything to us from our engineering. And to a large extent, I bottled it and said, look, we're not big enough to do this. Hello there and welcome to the Switched On podcast with Domain Electrical, chatting to some of the leaders in the electrical field, finding out how they got there and what they think may be next for the industry. We'll also be chatting with manufacturers and suppliers from around Europe about which products are going to make our lives and jobs easier this year. Coming up, we'll hear from Procell, which is a professional battery brand from Duracell. But first, let's talk to the co-founder of EES Ireland. Tommy Hines set up the business as a procurement supply company with his wife, Catherine, in 1991. Initially, they were operating out of a shed in a back garden of their home in Selbridge in County Kildare. But now ESS has grown to a workforce of 110 people, offices in Ireland, the UK and the USA, and an annual turnover of 50 million plus. Uh, Tommy is joining us today. Tommy, that, that, wow. Did you ever think it would be that successful? No, not really. I mean, t- to be totally honest with you, um, I wasn't, I didn't think I was overly ambitious as to push forward with something like this. But um, it- it's amazing when, when, you, when you get and start something w- with someone, but then when they're also dependent on it being successful, it does drive you. So it, I've taken great pride in it, but it, and it's not a cliche, it was genuinely a team effort, apart from myself and Catherine, we had a tremendous workforce and still have. And I, we keep in touch with each other and all on, on various levels, social levels as well, when we can. But um, so it, it's been amazing. And I took great pride on, you know, going into companies and kind of representing the people who worked with us because it gave me a lot of confidence knowing the type of people we had. So I think that was a huge success. Tell me. How did it all begin for you, Tommy? Because you, you had a really nice job working for a German company. Uh, you got the car, the expense account. It was kind of like life is sweet. And then you decided, you know what? Nah, I want to work for myself. Yeah, well, th- there was a couple of things happened. Catherine had just actually formed the company uh, about 12 months previously. Uh, she, I think she was a wee bit ahead of our time. It was a wedding planning company called Bridal Connections. So... She had that going and it was becoming quite successful. But um, a little surprise came along and her name is Ellie May. She was six months old and I was happy in the in the work I was doing and happy dealing with the people I was dealing with. But what happened was I went to Germany and I met the owner of the company. And just prior to going to Germany, a number of people had said, Tommy, would you consider going out on your own? Because although we like dealing with you, we're not really sure about the company. Okay, so that put a few doubts in my mind as to what this was going to happen. And I went to Germany and I met the owner um, and I just thought, I can't walk for this guy. So I went to the hotel room that night and I rang Catherine and I said, look, Catherine, I can't walk for this guy. So flew home the following day. Myself and herself sat down and went through it. And she said, look, Tommy, she said, I know I have this business going on the side, but Ellie is six months old and priorities there, we have to look after her. So it was decided 
that I would go and form the company. Now, I left on good terms because the week I, I left, I actually formed a, or signed a contract uh, on behalf of my company with Guinness Breweries, which was a huge thing at the time. And the guy said to me, uh, the procurement director said, look, Tommy, this doesn't make sense to me. You're leaving the company, you're signing. And I said, well, I'm hoping that I'll be dealing with Guinness in 20 years' time, and this is what I want to do. And we've been dealing with Guinness stroke the Azure for over 30 years now. So tell me about EES, for those who don't know, what what is the essence of what the company does? So we originally started just supplying bearings and ancillary products like conveying chain. So what we would do is supply into companies like Roadstone, Irish Glass, Semperit, and they would ring looking for maintenance materials and we would go. Now, we were on 24-hour call, which was quite hard because you'd get calls at four in the morning. Uh, first Mother's Day, walking into a restaurant to call from a company in Offaly. Mother's Day dinner went out and we're into the car and going. But basically, we evolved from that and we evolved by probably me listening to people because somebody said to me, look, Tommy, he said, it's great that you're doing bearing sprockets and all, but there's definitely a need in this country to have a company that would specialize in lots of other products that we can make a phone call. So I took that on board and about 18 months later, I went into Guinness and the contract was coming up for renewal. And they said to us, would you be interested in in running our engineering stores, which was a totally new thing for us, the concept. But it worked wonderfully well, and it was it proved very successful. So start, apart from supplying goods, we did facilities like we, we managed the engineering stores, we ran the post office. But another big um, direction that the company took was Hewlett-Packard, an American company, opened in Ireland. And th- there were six uh, young kids, because they were early 20s, came to see us and said, Look, you've been recommended to us. So what we'd like to do is go into a tendering process to have a company supply everything to us from our engineering. And to a large extent, the word bottle came to mind. I bottled it and said, look, we're not big enough to do this. So we went through the process with them and they said, congratulations, you're the company. So I then said, geez, I I can't do this because I said, you're putting your names on the line here. And they insisted. They said, because of what you've said to us, Tommy, we know you're the company. And we were with Hewlett-Packard right up until they closed uh, about 18 months ago. And they were lovely people. But what happened was they put the American way of doing business into our process. So we married the American way and the governance and how they expected people. So in other words, you didn't have to wear a three-piece suit. You could wear a T-shirt and a pair of jeans. So... And also they wanted things done correctly and they embraced the full partnership role that you were part of the company. And by God, did we embrace it because warts and all, we'd sit down at meetings and say, this isn't working or that's, and it was hugely successful. So uh, a little bit after, that was really successful. A little bit after that, Wyatt opened in Ireland, which is a pharmaceutical company. Again, our reputation, somebody rang and said, would you come and visit us? And we went, visited it, and they said, look, we're looking for a company just to give us bits and bobs, like bits and pieces of engineering and maybe some tools and this. So that started out relatively small, and then Pfizer bought Wyatt, and it became uh, over an 8 million euro contract on the Grange Castle site. And our name started to grow, so people would move around from various companies. They'd get headhunted and move on. We, as a company, didn't have a business development manager 
I was the one who would potentially go out knocking on doors. But ironically, I didn't have to knock. And I, I don't mean this in a facetious or a big headed way. People would ring us and say, we're after hearing about you. Will you come and visit us? So we would go in and, geez, was I bad on presentations, I can tell you. Um, so I don't think we got it on charm and philosophy, but uh, our reputation stood to us. And that's how it grew. And, and it was as simple as that. I think you have one reputation and you just have to protect it. Tell me about networking. How do, how do you go about networking? So ironically before this so i'm i'm part of the board now the investment board which we can get into probably a wee bit later but ees as a company have just talked on their first business development manager two weeks ago and i met him and i was explaining to him how we grew and he found it amazing that it genuinely was word of mouth but what we really have to do or what you have to do to promote a company, see, I think it's, it, it's, a tremendous, um, it's a tremendous plus for young and small Irish companies to grow and be seen on a global stage. But what you have to do is concentrate on your own country first, do everything right, build your reputation, and then move on. So what we tended to do genuinely, as I said, was get the business through word of mouth you have to be obviously no it's 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 likability is a huge factor in business people can say what they want but likability is a huge factor because you're spending time with people but more to the point is being really good at what you do so numerous members of our staff in ees and myself included would have waited at airports at one o'clock two o'clock saturday sundays a couple of years ago uh, during the hurricanes in puerto rico they rang one of, so we the company we deal with, one of the pharmaceutical companies had a sister company in Puerto Rico and the hurricanes came and it crashed and they'd no chiller unit to keep the, the, the refrigeration going. And they rang us on, on a site at 12 o'clock in the day and said, we see you have one of these in, in stock, but how do we get it? And this is genuine. So one of our guys' daughters flew to New York at four o'clock that a few hours later with this part. They were blown away. I can give you numerous times people going to Germany for parts. You will read documentation and you'll sit at board meetings and you'll go to presentations and you think every company is the best company in the world. But at two o'clock in a freezing morning, driving to Limerick, which one of our guys did, three hours down, three hours back, that's what your reputation is. Not, how good, not what uh, color suit you wear or what tie you have on. But it is important that when you present, which is something we've learned over the years, you have to be also professional in how you present your company. So is it fair to say then that you would make a fair deal of your reputation on what you do when things go wrong? Yes. And genuinely, there has never in 30 years of business, there's never been loss of production due to the unavailability of a spare part, which has been amazing. And our current manager director was telling me that during the current COVID crisis, we have sent PPE to China. We sent PPE to America when nobody could get PPE, but they obviously didn't ring some of the right companies. And one of them was called EES. So it went out there and companies we dealt with wanted to kind of give us awards. And our managing director, because he's been with us for 28 years, he's actually my brother-in-law said, listen, no thanks. Just maybe remember us when we come to negotiate contracts, but we don't want awards. This is what we do. 
And that's the philosophy we've built on. Let me take you back to the days when things were growing and you had HP because they happened to be in the area and happened to have heard of you and went, no, we really want you. And you were like, I don't want the work. It's too much. And then you get the work. It's gone. Then you you literally have a massive problem because you're kind of thinking, I'm this small size. They need me to be this huge size. How do you scale up? Where do you get the money from to handle that contract? So what happened was we, we sat down with Hewlett Packard and one of the things we've done and one of the things I've always done in business was to be totally open. So we've kind of maybe a wee bit of a unique philosophy. Everybody knows what we pay for a part. We have an open book and transparent policy. And it's not, it's not a, an open book with about 10 pages missing where your cost price is. It's totally open book. So they, all our clients know exactly um, where we go for the parts, the supply chain we use to get it in, um, what we pay for it, what we're selling at. Yeah, there's, sometimes there's arguments at the end of the year saying, well, Jesus, when we go to renegotiate, well, we don't want to give you this. But it, it's an argument based on trust and openness. So we have never lost a client. So in 30 years, most of our clients are with us 15, 20, 25, 30 years. But you've also got to be innovative. So getting back to your original thing, when we, we, I met with Hewlett Packard, and they told us just on Christmas, uh, I think 1993, I think it was. So I, we met with them and said, look, this is what we think will work. So what I will do personally, I'll devote myself say 50% of the time to the Hewlett Packard account. Robert, who's the current MD, devoted himself to Guinness. And then other people devoted themselves to the, the oddball bits and pieces that was coming in and stuff like, like that. So yeah, I became part of the furniture uh, in Hewlett Packard for a large, large you, you would be invited to the Christmas meals, the nights out and all like that. But again, it was about being a partner. And like, People have to understand what really being a partner is. So we would sit at meetings and I would say, this is not working for us. And they would say, well, look, let's put this in place. So when it came to investment, they would pay us on time. All our clients, by the way, pay us on time, but we pay all our suppliers on time. So Catherine, who was to a large extent, was the brains behind the organization, looked after every financial aspect of it. And she made sure that the books were kept in order and how we operated as a company was done correctly and to the correct governance. So Hewlett Packard really liked this and what we were bringing to the table. And it just grew and grew. They asked us, would we do more work with them and and would we take this on? So it, it just be, it gave us the, a wee bit of confidence as a company that we were coming out of the kind of comfort blanket of being an Irish company, dealing with Irish companies only. And that's what gave us the confidence to move into the uh, pharmaceutical business, which has turned out to be hugely successful. For somebody who is perhaps thinking of growing their their own small business and wants to get bigger, what advice would you give to somebody uh, about seeking investment? So the first thing you should really do is have your financial aspect of your company watertight and how you operate in the governance of your company, okay? There's a, there's a saying about don't be afraid to fail. Ironically, I think it should be the opposite. Don't be afraid to succeed. So I wasn't the most confident guy starting out. But the term, it's not rocket science. If you do everything correctly, then that will lead to success. And the thing I would say is, as I said, you have one reputation. 
and the reputation is huge to you. So you, you can't be a gimmicky, oh, we're, we're brilliant, you know, Monday to Friday. If the clients are looking for Saturday and Sunday and after hours, you've got to do that. So you've got to evaluate what you're going to take on in your life and evaluate is it going to be worth it. But genuinely, make sure you're not afraid to succeed because if it can happen to myself, it can happen to anybody. I can tell you that. <laughs> you speak very much like a, a mentor. Um, yeah. And I think mentors are very important in business. Have you ever had a mentor yourself? Um, maybe not a mentor as such. You see, the mentoring I got from an early age in business is probably a wee bit unusual. But um, I had a grandmother. I lived lucky enough to live with my grandmother and grandfather in Cabra. And uh, my grandmother was a dealer in Moore Street, okay? And so technically she ran her own business. So today it's very fashionable with diversity to have ladies become um, CEOs of company and, and MDs, and I understand that. I just said to somebody recently on a multinational, she said, I love to have a conversation with my grandmother to tell me that she may not have been equal and we needed to give her certain things to boost our life. She opened a shop in, in our house you know, before I was born and worked from a shed. Every Friday morning, she got up at four o'clock and walked from Cabra to Moore Street. She worked outside Connolly's shoe shop. Now, you can imagine in the cold, in the winter and all, the ladies in Connolly's would bring out buckets of water where she put her hands in and she would fillet fish. So her business survived and thrived because people would come to her because she sold good products. That stuck with me because I was thinking, Jesus, she's gone out there and she's done it. I didn't have the confidence to do it at an early age. But when the going got tough and it does get a wee bit tough and you start feeling sorry for yourself when you're in the middle of contract negotiations. I would always think of someone walking at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning to Dublin City to go down and open a stand in, in the cold, the rain, fillet fish and then come walk home. So. Mentoring may not be the right word, but psychologically, she put something in my mind that I've never forgotten. And it was a huge drive for me. And she was very ambitious. She was really ambitious as well. She had six ladies working for her at one time down there. So maybe there was a little bit of a gene. Hopefully there was. It's in the blood. Listen, uh, Tommy, you're absolute living proof that if you get the basics right and you're not afraid to grow, anything can happen and you're you're there with the ESS and whatever turnover blah 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 50 million whatever it is fantastic talking to you and you're a real inspiration thank you for joining us today on the podcast and thank you for inviting me it was a pleasure thank you our Switched On podcast is brought to you today by Domain Electrical, the leading independent Irish-owned supplier, importer and distributor of industrial electrical components in the country. You'll find their story at domain.ie or just use the link in the show notes that you'll find on the phone app or website which you're using to listen to us today. Let's move on and have a chat with Christian Oshadon, who works for Procell as their key UK and Ireland key account manager. Procell is a professional battery brand from Duracell, which is exclusively focused on the professional battery market. They regularly test professional devices and analyse what's needed to power them. Uh, Christian, for those who don't know, what is a professional battery? Um, basically, a professional battery is a battery which is made purely based in, in mind to the um, professional landscape 
and to the professional devices within that landscape. For example, you have, let's say I use Duracell as an example, which is a, a very good battery. It's a generic battery for the consumer market, whereas ProCell um, has taken a different, basically a different um, strategy in which we have looked at the devices within the market. And then we've then created a battery which caters to those devices. In, in, our, um, in our approach, we've actually created two, two, device, um, two, well, two batteries. So we're the first world um, portfolio of batteries. So one battery is geared at the, um, how can I put it, the low to mid drain sourced energy devices, and which is called the ProCell General Purpose. And then we have the ProCell Intense, which is geared to the high drain um, source um, um, requirements for devices. Okay, and I take it that you are delving into all kinds of, because you see, when I hear Duracell, I think double A AA and triple A. And that's not what we're talking about here, is it? Oh, no, it is. It is actually, in fact. Um, so with ProCell, we have the five types. And five types is a double A, triple A, nine volt, C and D. And we've just um, recently, in March, launched ProSer coin cells. So that's a CR2032, CR2016, and CR2025. So we, we've got more or less a, a full range of batteries to cater to the professional market. And give me an example of where these batteries might be used. I'll give you a prime example. Let, let's say, for example, within a hospital. Within a hospital, you'll probably see a... a to- automatic facets, RF radios, dispensers, blood pressure monitors. These, these sort of devices require high drain source of energy. And especially if you're within a hospital in, in which um, it's quite life dependent with some of those devices. So you want a battery which is actually going to power that device as well as save money because a lot of resources goes into hospitals. So you want a battery that's going to save the, um, the customer or the client money in terms of um, changing or the resources of changing those batteries as well. So um, in other places, let's say, for example, in the general office, you will have a smoke detector, motion sensors, you have probably even a, an alarm clock. Now that will class, classify as a, a low drain source of energy devices. So you, 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 you will see, you can look around even if, when we get the chance to go back into offices, <laughs> you'll, you'll get to see lots of devices which require batteries. It's the kind of thing where you don't see it until you start looking for it, isn't it? Um, how did you end up in this business, Christian? Well, funny enough, I, I was I saw the advert um, and I thought it was quite um, different to something I've done previously in terms of I've never worked in the battery field. Previously, I've worked in construction and I can say that this is probably one of the most rewarding um, jobs I've had is because there's a lot more than just selling batteries um, it's learning about the chemical reactions and makeup for batteries but then it's also prior to being in a job I didn't I didn't really think about using batteries in the workplace but there is a wide spectrum of businesses I communicate with who require batteries in that aspect um, yeah that's how I joined in it's love I'm loving it are you able to tell us the most without naming it but are you able to tell us the most unusual business you deal with I'll say unusual. Okay, we we deal with um, businesses ranging literally from hospitals to factories, stage entertainment companies who seem to require 
quite a lot of batteries. They actually, they actually change their batteries for every show. I'll say that's probably the most unusual case I've heard in terms of replacing your battery after, after each show. We're leading up to a great story where you go, and that's how I met Mariah Carey. But we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> Tell me, what products are getting you excited for uh, for this year? What's new in the battery world? Um, I'll say our, the product that we are getting excited the most is probably, I'll say, the coin sales. This is our newest product into the market, and that was March in terms of pro sale, coin sales. And I'll say the reason why we are getting quite excited about that is because, A, it's another element that we are bringing to the market, which we can actually go into new markets. Um, let's say, for example, security, which is a, a big market for myself in terms of UK, UK and Ireland, to then try and chat, um, channel in and target um, customers or help customers within that within that remit. Also, our CR123 um, lithium, lithium coin, and um, well, no, sorry, lithium battery, which is another sort of cell, which I'm extremely um, excited about. We've got quite a lot. We're, let's say, for example, we launched our ProSo Intense last year in the middle of the actual pandemic. So I would say that, in, in a sense, is still a new product, especially to, to Ireland as well. And that's because we're talking about a product which caters to high-drain devices. When, when I was having a, a lesson about these sort of batteries and territory, if I'm not the cleverest in terms of physics or chemical makeup... Um, I was I was I was taught in this way to try and remember how to describe it to um to clients with a high drain um battery which are proso intense you've got a sprinter so our intense battery is a sprinter who runs a hundred meters any time you press that button it runs a hundred meters the same way it ran a hundred meters the first time and it's sort of offloading a lot of energy into that device and let's say for example if our um pro cell general purpose that is a marathon runner. We press that button, it runs a consistent marathon, which is quite boring, but it runs that consistent marathon all the time. You know, you kind of have loads of calls from people listening to the podcast going, I want uh, two sprinters, uh, a marathon runner, and <laughs> something, something middle distance for me there. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Ireland there. Uh, of course, you're dealing with uh, Domain. How do you find uh, Domain as a, a distributor? Awesome. They're great. I, I think they are, I wouldn't say they are distributors to um to ProSell, I'll say a partner is the, is the best way to put it. Our objectives align together in terms of growing the um, ProSell business into Ireland and also making sure it actually caters purely targeted to the professional landscape. In terms of a partner, they're, they're almost like a dream partner in terms of I, I'm thinking of an idea to actually increase sales in Ireland or an awareness of ProSell. And they have almost thought about it prior to me telling them about it. And it's a case of then um, joining together and discussions to actually create that. We will be um, joined at the hip uh, for many more years. Excellent. Well, listen, Christian Oshin, thanks for giving us a, a little insight into professional batteries and ProCell. Thank you. Now, if you'd like to find out any more about our guests on the podcast today, just follow the links in the show notes. You'll find them in the description of this podcast on your phone or whichever device you're listening to us on. They include links, contact details and anything else that you might need to get more information. Our podcast today was produced by DustPod.ie for Domain Electrical. Domain have been in business for more than 40 years and that long success has been built not only on embracing innovation, but looking after and listening 
important to their staff, along with excellent relationships with their extensive network of customers and partner suppliers. The bottom line for you is that when you call Domain, your sales contact there actually knows about the products and can suggest the right solution for any problem that you are trying to solve. You'll find out more about them, of course, at domain.ie. Do join us next time and we'll discover another well-known industry leader whose company is building the biggest solar PV farms in Ireland this year. To get that automatically, just click the subscribe button on your player right now. Until then, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you for listening and I hope you'll join us on our next episode of the Switched On podcast with Domain Electrical.